Talk Recorded live. Welcome to a late edition of Political Straight Talk. The time is 12-12 on the East Coast, 9-12 on the Left Coast, and I'm your host, and I'm offended. I'm offended that my flag is being burned. I'm offended that whites are bigots, blacks are racists, brown people are illegal, women are inferior. I'm offended that a man can marry a woman. I'm offended that a man can marry a man. I'm offended at the Confederate flag. I'm offended at the White House. I'm offended at Nathan Bedford Forrest, Robert E. Lee, Ulysses S. Grant, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, but mostly I'm offended at all of those that are offended. And this is the perfect time to talk about Hank Williams Jr. and his song, Coalition to Ban Coalition. I think that's exactly what we ought to do and shut these people up. Now, I'm going to lead off the program by saying that uh, my good buddy, uh, Joseph is on here, and uh, we are going to talk issues of the day, of the week, of the month, and whatever hits us now and then. Uh, I do have to tell you, though, that if you go to politicalstraighttalk.us, you will now find some content. Not much, but it's there. So I encourage everybody to go check it out. That's politicalstraighttalk.us. There will be more things coming as the... uh, days and weeks go, uh, depending on who gets everything set up. So, Joseph, you go ahead and lead off. Good evening, everyone. I am offended, not by the people who are causing the offense, but by the people who are deciding what to be offended by. There are many things in this world that are not pretty, or pleasant, or easy to look at, yet they are in our culture, in our daily lives, and in our visual sight constantly. We, as Americans, have become nothing more than cowards in the face of the offended class, because we have not gotten the strength to confront these people for the super that they keep on propagating to the masses. A Confederate flag did not jump off of a flagpole, wake up some dead Confederate soldiers, march down to a church, and kill anyone. What it was was a deranged human being with no sense of humanity who did this. Just because he carried or had a picture of of a Confederate battle flag does not mean the flag was at fault. Just as you can say that video games does not make one a murderer, nor does driving a car make you a killer if you hit someone and kill them. Yet we in this society are blaming everyone except the person who is responsible for everything, thyself. 
become nothing more than children looking for a parental guide, be it government or accepts or those who accept what's going on in the world or who wants to change the world for the worse and mold it into an image that is not what our Constitution stands for, not for what our freedom stands for, and certainly not for what our God intended this world to be. Yet we stand here powerless because we are afraid of our own shadows and afraid to confront the evil. And I will say that again, the evil, because the people who propagate this are evil human beings. The only way to beat these people is to ignore them. If your culture, if your heritage is a flag, then fly it proudly. I am of Acadian descent. I am a Cajun. I have French ancestry. It's come out recently that the fleur-de-lis is a racist symbol because of something that happened 300 years ago. It is not a racist symbol to me, and it is worn and flown and idealized by hundreds of thousands of people in this state, the state of Louisiana, because of what it represents, the French culture. It's also indicative of a football team, the New Orleans Saints, which after Katrina really unified the city and the region together. So it's hard-pressed to say that it's a symbol that is now, quote-unquote, of hate, is, hasn't been a unifying factor. Honestly, you could say the same thing about the stars and the Southern Cross, which is was the nickname of the Confederate battle flag. It unified many people across the South, and not just white people who hated blacks, but black people, Hispanic people, people who live in the southern region, who live by the southern values, who live by the southern culture. We well, as America go ahead. Well, I, I was I was just going to point out that as you know this whole Confederate flag thing has, has gained a little momentum. I want to point out to everybody that on Saturday this upcoming Saturday, on uh, uh, at approximately one o'clock and four o'clock respectively, in the state house grounds, there will be a uh, Black Education Group meeting. This is a group that is part of the New Black Panther Party. Uh, they'll be meeting from one to five. And then the KKK also is scheduled for a meeting that day from 3 to 5 or 3 to 6, 4 to 6, something like that. And those two groups, let's just face it, both of them represent hate. Okay? And Governor Nikki Haley, whom up until a couple of weeks ago I, I thought was a very good governor, um, has only come out and said something against the KKK. 
So how is it that we allow the equivalent of the KKK on the black side of the spectrum to go unmentioned? And how is it that a movement can be made for persons of color to intimidate others and it's not considered a hate crime? Um, I've got big problems with how people are choosing to put these labels. I also have a problem with how um, you uh, put on there that we need to spray away a stone. Uh, image at Stone Mountain, Georgia, which, by the way, I've seen it, and I think it's beautiful, and I don't think anybody that looked at it thought, oh, my goodness, that's the oppressors. Um, I don't, I think, hey, this is ridiculous, all of it, from stem to stern. I understand that there are people that use the flag as hate, but people use the American flag as hate. People use the uh, people use all kinds of things for hate. You know, the swastika prior to Hitler's rise to power was everywhere. And now in Germany, um, it is a symbol of hate, rightfully so. In other parts of the country, not so much. Or in other parts of the world, not so much. And rightfully so. So this whole business about trying to ban everything because it offends somebody, first of all, anybody waving that stupid flag had nothing to do with slavery, had nothing to do with oppression. And guess what? Even if their views are hate, they got a right to them. Just like the Black Panther Party has a right to fly their flag as high as they want. I don't hear anybody screaming for that flag to be taken down. The difference is nine people were shot. Nine people of color were shot. One depraved individual chose to take a flag and wrap himself in it, figuratively and literally. Does that make that symbol a symbol of hate? No. And this belly aching and moaning by every single individual on both sides that I've heard. This is stupid. This is America, people. We can do whatever the hell we want to do. And we have an obligation to stand up and yell at the top of our lungs that which would offend the other person standing beside us, and he would yell at the top of his lungs fighting against him. Do you know why? Because the Bill of Rights gives us that ability. As a matter of fact, if uh, people will whip out their uh, constitutions, they will find that, A, being American has nothing to do with uh, being happy, being content, because, as I recall, the preamble to the Constitution says that you have the right for the pursuit of happiness. And just to be very clear to people, and I want everybody to understand, okay, that uh, you have the freedom 
expression. You have the freedom, uh, the press. You know, the press says stuff I don't agree with all the time. So I'm, I'm offended by the press. I'm offended by Democrats. Can we ban them? I doubt it. So, um, Joseph, I don't want to. I don't want to get hung up on uh, on this particular topic the entire time because I think we have a lot more pressing issues that we can talk about. And, and even going back to a couple of our uh, previous, uh, some of our previous shows. But let me let me touch on one last thing. If you go into the Constitution, okay, and you look at the various articles of the Constitution, there are several constitutional articles that people need to be mindful of, okay? Um, And I guarantee you that there are many, many people that would never, ever be able to tell you, (laughs) sadly, What's even in the Constitution? James Madison, when he when he wrote this, he did it to give a protection of the government against the people. And we have perverted it. And let's... Uh, yeah, I, I'm just going to simply say that Amendment 1 of the Constitution simply says, and I'm going to only read five words, six words, excuse me. Uh, It says, Congress shall make no law, dot, 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 and I'm going to skip that first part, and it says, or abridging the freedom of speech speech, or of the press. That is probably one of the three most important sections of the entire Bill of Rights. So, and then the second one, obviously, being the Second Amendment, that people are very aware of based on what things going on. So, Joseph, if we may, I would like to segue into using the Constitution into our next topic. And this next topic infuriates me to no end. So, if it's okay with you, sir, I'll take the first bat at this Yeah, go for it. This morning, a story broke across CNN, PMS, NBC, Fox, and various other headline news, Associated Press um, agencies about a video that some undercover people did where they got the top surgeon or top doctor of Planned Parenthood to talk about what they were, and I'm sorry if anybody just heard those buttons, uh, to talk about what they do with aborted tissue, as they call it. Now, I have, uh, I've heard several commentators on it today, and I decided to uh, 
go look it up myself and see for myself exactly what uh, was said. And it's disgusting, okay? First, I have to point out, as we're going into this, um, I, I, I have to say that nobody should be surprised at this. Because even as early as the late 80s, when Planned Parenthood was beginning to get a stranglehold into the, quote, abortion business, end quote, there were people warning against it. And then in the 90s, in the late 90s, I became one that was just absolutely crazy about this. and. Planned Parenthood has come out and said, you know, this video is heavily edited. And it may very well be heavily edited. I'm not going to say it isn't. I'm going to say this. That I don't think there's much of a way that you can... uh, You can hide what she said. Because... um, She's having lunch with actors posing as buyers who are interested in purchasing the, bo- purchasing the body parts of baby. And the Planned Parenthood um, notes that abortion procedures are modified to ensure that requested body parts can be collected. She says, and I quote, we've been very good at getting heart, lung, liver, because we know that, so I'm not going to crush that part. I'm going to basically crush below. I'm going to crush above, and I'm going to see if I can get it all intact. Nakatola also describes how Planned Parenthood abortionists, and we use that term, move the child into breech delivery positions so that the body can be preserved. It is uh, what she's describing is what is called a partial birth abortion, which, may I remind everybody, is still illegal in these United States. And here's what she says, quote, I'd say a lot of people want liver, and for that reason, most providers will do this case under ultrasound guidance so they'll know where they're putting their forceps. The kind of rate-limiting steps of the procedure is calvarium. Calvarium, the head, is basically the biggest part. We've been very good at getting heart, lung, liver, because we know, I'm not going to press that far, that's that's another uh, quote, and I'm going to see if I can get it all intact. And with the calvarium in general, some people will actually try to change the presentation so that it's not vertex. So that if you do, it's starting from the breach presentation. There's dilation that happens as the case goes on. And often, the last step, you can evacuate an intact calvarium at the end, meaning you can take a baby that they claim is flesh now, and pull them out. Now, um, it does seem that Planned Parenthood has a little bit of concern about uh, legalities because uh, the doctor states that at the national office they have a litigation law department which really doesn't want us to be in the middle, doesn't want us to be the middle people for this issue. And here's what federal law states, okay? 
this is the exact USC code. It says, it shall be unlawful for any person to knowingly acquire, receive, or otherwise transfer any human fetal tissue for valuable consideration if the transfer affects interstate commerce. Because remember, the feds can't control it if it's intrastate. They can if it's interstate. Okay? And we have got major problems here because they talk about um, that they sell the head from anywhere to 50 to to $100. They're selling these body parts. So here is my thing on all this. Okay? Either it's a non-viable piece of flesh or it's a baby. And if the liver, the heart, the lungs, the head are salvageable, as they have uh, said, then they're guilty of murder. Now, me personally, I am pro-life. I am 100% pro-life. No questions asked. And the mother of my children understood that if anything medically happened and I was forced to make a choice, I would always choose the child. I've got a lot of flack from that, but that's the way it is, and that's what I would do every time. Now, um, there's more that I can go on in this situation, but I will get very worked up. And I will say this before turning it over to to Joseph, who I know is just chomping at the bit to come in on this one. Number one, they are murderers, all of them. From the very top board of directors down to the lowly person that sweeps the floor of this planet, they are murderers. They're guilty of murder, and every single person should be charged under RICO and put in the federal slammer this. Number two, this goes to show that this isn't about reproductive health and this isn't about the welfare of the woman. This is about how many bucks can you shove through. So let's get an example. Last year in this country, approximately 50 million babies were aborted. Okay? Now let's do just a tad bit of math. Let's say that of those 50 million, let's say that they harvested 20 million parts, okay? And we will go solely with the low price of $50, okay? We're going to go with the low price of $50 per part. Per part. What you have done right there, okay, Now, I want everybody to pay attention to this number. Pay attention to this number. Okay? One billion, with a B, dollars in revenue. Now, odds are that number's not near that high, but let's cut it down. Let's even cut it down some. Okay, and we can even say 10 million parts because we know there's bound to be 10 million parts rolling through there. Okay, 
And we'll keep it at the low, low price of $50. Okay? Can you please tell me how much money that is? That is, right off the rip, $500 million. Okay? Exactly half of what it was. $500 million. All I can say is, wow, I'd hate to have to be the one having to answer for this. All right, Joseph, jump on in. I'm reminded by the movie Coma. Coma was based on a Michael Crichton book where there was an institution that was specifically designed to treat coma patients. Towards the end of the book, did you find out that these coma patients were dying and they were harvesting their organs to sell on the black market? This is far removed from this. The only difference is it wasn't adults or children. These are unborn fetuses that have been harvested for medical experiments. The the pro-choice people will keep telling you that it's nothing more than an abnormality. It's nothing more than a clump of cells in a woman's body. It's her choice if she wants to abort the fetus or not. It's her choice because it's nothing more than a medical issue. It's not life. It's just cells. But then this revelation that it's, it's a heart, it's a liver, it's a head, it's lungs, it's this or it's that. It's the components that make up a human being. It's kind of ironic that the people who are keep saying that it's nothing but a clump of cells that mean nothing are the ones that are profiting off the harvesting of these clumps of cells that become organs or human beings. This, this, this oh, you yeah. You have no idea. You you don't even begin to understand how angry I am about this. Because this is oh it's disgusting. There's no words. There is absolutely no words to this garbage. It's absolutely appalling while this woman sucks down her Caesar salad in a nonchalant manner that it's a, a, a lung here or, or a liver there. It's nothing to her. Is life nothing more than nothing? Just a, just a to paycheck? Them, to them, no. It's disgusting. It's utterly disgusting that we as a society have people who actually live and believe this crap. You know, it's quite ironic that you see protests by people who are for abortion, who are willing to get scraped and pillaged, and hell, they'll use a coat hanger if they got to, just to have an abortion, because they're pro-choice, damn it. You know, the funny thing is, I am not pro-life as much for religious reasons as it is for political reasons. And the political reason is 
that unborn child still has rights under our Constitution. Of course, the Supreme Court doesn't see it that way. But that unborn child still, in my eyes, has the opportunity to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They weren't convicted of anything, so why take their Fourth Amendment rights away? Just because they haven't breathed oxygen yet doesn't mean they're nothing. They're not. They're nothing. That's the political aspect of it. That's the way I feel about it. Of course, I'm also a Christian, and I also believe that it's wrong because God is the only one that could take life in this world. But who died and made these people God? That's what they. That's what they're. They're. they're it's tantamount to them thinking that they're nothing more than gods who can create life or end life and sell it off to the highest bidder. Well, will one of these experiments cure something? Probably not. And if it does, at what cost? If you could cure every disease but lose your humanity in the process, what have you really cured? I agree. As you've been talking, I decided to look through some budget issues. Okay. I've planned parenthood. And I'm, I'm going to give you all uh, all I can say is well. I'm going to give you some numbers here, folks. Okay. At the end of 2014, their cash on hand okay, was their assets. It's $367,254,551. Okay. Now, that in itself is not big. But their unrestricted assets which means donations that have come in, 146 million, uh, almost 147. Okay, now uh, I'm going to give you really interesting numbers here. Okay, 42 million came from direct response, meaning people directly donated 42 million. 21 million came from foundations and corporations. Ten million came from people passing away and, and putting their money towards it. Um, twelve thousand or twelve million came from their affiliates, your local um, thing. Um, here's an interesting thing: the special events that they held in 2014 and 2013, respectively, they spent. Three hundred thirty-seven thousand and three hundred forty-five thousand, and brought in four million. That's a good chunk of change. Okay, that's a that's a huge chunk of change. Now, federated fundraising organizations at your local chapters brought in almost a million. But here's expenses. I, I want to read this to everybody, and, and I want I know we're getting into some technical stuff that normally we don't do, but, but people need to understand this. Program services to engage the communities. Basically what that means is advertising. They spent fourteen five. 
$14,500,000 to increase access to facilities, whatnot, $93 million. Advocacy capacity. That's an interesting one. That one's 18 million, and that's basically trying to get more people into the clinic. But the one that I want everybody to listen to, this one is very important. Refresh our brand. They spent $2 million for a total amount of expenses. They have total revenue of 208 million. They spent 132 million uh, on their expenses. Now, support services. Okay. This is your management and general fundraising, um, management and general operations. They spent $16 million. That's just on the federal level. And their fundraising cost them $24 million for a total of $40.5 million in services. Total expenses, including programs and whatnot, 173 million. And uh, change in net assets was a net gain of 35 million, which means they brought in 35 more million what they needed. Um, they lost, their contributions were down. Um, anyway, at the end of the day, here's how it works out. Net assets at the beginning of their year was $111 million. Net assets at the end of the same year, 146 million. So it changed over about 35 million, which is what the net change was. Here's the thing about this, guys. There is no possible way, based on their funding, based on these numbers, and based on uh, what I see at local affiliates, that all this money is coming from the feeds. Okay? It's just not. So where are they making this stuff at? Now we know. Um, they're bound to have a separate set of books. And Congress is finally getting involved. Congress is finally having something to say about uh, this mess. So hopefully they'll get to the bottom of it. Okay, Mark. Uh, Joseph, it's on you. Remember the Kermit Gaffnow case about a year ago, maybe two years ago now? He would perform an abortion even on the unwilling. It makes right. you wonder why he wanted to perform so many abortions. Did he just love the bloodlust? Or was it that he was selling body parts? Now, of course, he's a convicted murderer and will be spending the rest of his life getting rectally probed by Dr. Bubber in a prison cell. But it makes you wonder if there are more Gosnells out there who are just in it for profit. A lung here, a heart there, a liver here. It's nothing but a bunch of tissues to these people. It's sickening. It's appalling. It's not humane. Yet, nearly every day in this country, you will find protesters protesting being pro-choice because it's, I guess, it's in fashion. 
matter how sick it is. Now, Planned Parenthood. Let me give you some history of Planned Parenthood. It was started by a woman named Margaret Singer. Margaret Singer did a lot of research in eugenics, which is to create the, the mass of race, which is what Hitler was trying to do by exterminating the Jews. Now, if you read Margaret Sanger's writings, the first thing she wanted to do was exterminate the black population because she felt that the, those people were inferior. And, of course, you will see Planned Parenthood places popping up in the lowest income levels all across the country. But, of course, they're not going after those people, are they? One of the horrible things about all of this is that this is sanctioned by the government. Roe versus Wade is about is 42, 43 years old at this point. When I was in college, I had to read the book Becoming Judge Blackman. Justice Blackman was the decided justice in the Roe versus Wade case. He came about his decision after a conversation with his daughter over dinner. And the conversation went something like, if I am impregnated, will I have to give up my future because of this? And the justice decided, well, no. It's your life to live, and if you make a mistake, why should you have to suffer for it? And that was one of the reasons why World vs. Wade was passed, because of the conversation that he had with his daughter. After 43 years of this, we all see that this is nothing more than, one, a money-making scheme by people who are less than human. Because life, no matter where you believe, begins with an egg and sperm joining together. Conception. That's the way life is created with every species on Earth, through conception. And it's abhorrent that we, as human beings, will allow ourselves to be killed off before we take our first breath. There are millions of unborn, innocent children who have never taken their first breath who are murdered. And I will say that again, who are murdered because people can't live up to their responsibilities. Just like the first story, where we were offended by every little thing in the world. We have people who decide that we are nothing but children and we do not have to be offended. And we have no responsibilities for our actions. So if you're going to commit to the act of creating life, you are not responsible for it.
there's an interesting short story by Ernest Hemingway that I believe is called The White Elephants. It's a conversation between a, a couple, and it's all centered around abortion. During the story, she describes the abortion as nothing more than popping a balloon. It's a horrible analogy. Because you're not just popping a balloon. You're killing life. Well, and, and I don't disagree. And I think Planned Parenthood has painted themselves into a corner. Uh, because they had, up to this point, been able to stay above the fray. And with this video coming out, edited or not, what she said, you you can't edit those. They left those sentences intact. And they're trying to backpedal on this. They better be careful. Um, now, we've spent quite a bit of time on this particular issue, and there's one other issue I want to get to. Um, and that's, that's crap with Iran. But here's the thing, people, and, and probably one of the most important things that we need to remember is that in America we have a choice. Okay? Now, me personally, I'm pro-life every step of the way. Okay? Now, you can argue I'll never have a baby. You can argue all those steps I've already told you. Uh, what the understanding was with uh, my wife and our children. Um, but in this country, we do have a choice. Uh, do I think we need to change the laws? No. I think we need to enforce the ones we've got because they're committing a crime, committing a federal crime, and in at least 48 of the 50 states that I know of, they're committing a state crime. So we'll see how it plays out and, and who comes down on the side of Planned Parenthood and who doesn't. Um, I don't normally do this, but hey, Massachusetts, I see you on the phone. Thanks for calling in. Oh, okay. Hi. Sorry to put you on the spot. I just wanted to say hi. Okay. Uh, our, our next topic, uh, Joseph, is going to be a rant, and I know you're going <laughs> to go off the rails on this one. But uh, the president is signing this uh, treaty with Iran. And I have to point out to listeners, the president has no authority to sign treaties. He doesn't. It belongs to the Senate. And this agreement, Iran has demonstrated for the past 40 years that they're not going to follow anything that they choose to sign. And why should they? The president has not held them accountable. They're, they basically, they're the winners in all this because now their sanctions are lifted and we're going to be giving them billions of dollars um, so that they can kill more of our servicemen and women. Uh, so that they can get the bomb. And I think that uh, the president uh, and his advisors have made a strategic error 
in this piece of paper. And he threatened today, I, I heard that he threatened he was going to veto anything that come up to try and stop this deal. Well, I can, based on the count of the Senate, and my friends that work with uh, many of the congressmen, including Democrats, um, have been very clear that they've got the votes to override a veto. So I know this is the one you're waiting on, Justice, so roll with it. Okay, this deal couldn't be any worse unless the U.S. gave the the Iranians a Triton submarine armed with nuclear missiles and parked it right on the coast of Israel. You have some radical ideologue, insane people in this country. I mean, the Iranian regime is made up of about maybe 300 people. They're all religious zealots, and they're all wanting the end of the world. That's what they're living for. They're living for the end of the world. And their religion teaches them that bring about the end of the world at any cost so the 12th imam would appear and bring them to paradise. Now, they have been spinning uranium in centrifuges for years now. There are only some estimates maybe two months away, maybe a year away, from actually developing a nuclear-capable device. What this deal does is say, we're, we, the, the international community, will lift the sanctions off of you, Iran, so that you will, one, boost your economy, to allow you to sell more oil, or actually sell oil in the world market, it will cripple a few of the states in the United States, but that's no here or there. And you will have a month's notice before UN inspectors will come in and inspect your military, your um, nuclear facilities. And after 10 years of you playing nice with the international community, you can pretty much do what you want, with me, which means... Here is your path to the nuclear bomb, which you are going to be testing your missiles, making sure that they can reach Israel, because that's been your intended target for the last 40 years. Uh, then you could probably test your missile, your, your nuclear bombs underground in the mountain regions of your country. So by 2025, 2026, Israel will probably be nothing more than smoldering cinders. This is the deal hammered out by old Botox and bad ideas John Kerry, who was giving around with his crutches, begging the mullahs not to yell at him. Well, I, I here's my thing. I think that... Number one, the, the common consensus seems to be that this deal won't take effect until Congress has their their say. And Congress will stall this out and, and shove this down whoever's running for election next year on either side of the aisle. And 
We've got about 10 minutes left, so I wanted to segue into what we have uh, been closing out our program with, and that is uh, 2016 El Presidente. Now, for those of you that follow uh, this program, you know that I worked for President George W. Bush for seven years, and that I've been in politics for about 12, 13 years, respectively. Uh, and yes, I love to tout my record, so I'm going to tout it. I am 14 wins and three losses. I'm uh, proud of it. I would have rather had zero losses, but, you know, got to take the good with the bad. Um, having said that, 2016 is shaping up to be interesting because I think as of yesterday, there were 16 Republicans um, vying for the nod, along with uh, there are now about three or four Democrats vying for the nod. And Joseph, I'm going to give my two cents and then I'll let you do yours and then we'll play that final thoughts. But uh, I'm sorry for the fuzz, everybody. I'll try to edit that out. Um, Here's the thing. On Hillary's side, Hillary is pretty safe unless, here, here's the unless part. Bernie Sanders, uh, I love him, is drawing huge, huge crowds. I mean, he is, he is drawing crowds like you wouldn't believe. Um, and I saw a blogger today was at two of his events, and, and I, there had to be every bit of 5,000 people there. And uh, O'Malley is beginning to catch some steam. Can they catch up to Hillary? Probably not. But there are a couple of very charismatic Democrats that are currently sitting in the wings waiting. And a last-minute jump in, especially in caucus states where they don't make you divvy up the, uh, the vote, could be that was her strategy was trying to grab the caucus states and Obama, or, yeah, she would grab the caucus states and Obama would grab the primary states. Um, so it be interesting to see if her strategy gets used against her. Um, so on the Democratic side, we'll see. As far as the Republicans, here's the deal. There are only two or three that, in my opinion, are viable. Everybody else is playing uh presidential politics. They want a couple of yard signs and ten years down the road they show their grandkids or great grandkids and say, I ran for president. But at the top of the day, the number one coming out of all this, the number one and for the record for those of you that are listeners, I've not given who my pick is. And this isn't necessarily a reflection of my picks. Uh this is just who I think will come out of the fray. So coming out of first in the nation primary, which is uh, Iowa or New Hampshire, East New Hampshire, then Iowa goes second. Uh, you're going to see uh, you're going to see a lot of dropouts. You'll see Chris Christie drop out. You'll see probably the Donald. He may drop before then. Uh, you will see. A lot of your third-tier candidates drop. You'll be left with Jeb Bush. You'll be left with Rubio, Cruz, probably Scott Walker, and everybody else will be gone. 
Okay. Um, after New Hampshire, Iowa, next comes Nevada and South Carolina. After South Carolina, you'll be down to Jeb and two others, whoever those two may be. You'll be down to three. Um, there'll be a lot of them try to make it through to Super Tuesday. Uh, Rick Santorum will try to make it through because he'll do well in certain areas, as will Mike Huckabee. Um, they don't have a chance of winning the presidency, but they will do a, a good showing, and it'll help for their book deals and their TV shows. Um, that's my quick two cents. Um, Mark or Joseph, a couple of minutes with you, and then we got to wrap it up. It came to light last week that Bo Biden, on his deathbed, told his father that he wanted him to run for president. I would not count Joe Biden out of this race because of, one, the sympathy vote, and, one, he is the sitting vice president and has been the vice president for six years now. At this point, I believe that Joe Biden is the only one that could give Hillary Clinton a run for her money. Another one that you should not rule out is John Kerry. John Kerry, who may win the Nobel Peace Prize for this deal, this um, interesting deal that they uh, that he helped broker, may use a Nobel nomination or even a Nobel Prize win as a reason to elect him president. Mind you, he was the Democrat nominee in 2004. Well, the problem with Kerry jumping in, Joe Biden, I have often said that that Joe will will do something. Not sure what, but he's going to do something, Uh, even if it's endorse somebody other than Hillary. You know, there's no big... There's no big secret. There's no love lost between the two. Um, but um, John Kerry, man, he would get stomped. I don't see him doing it because the minute he does, the Swift Boat Bunch is going to be back. Um, and those same things that, that really hurt him, do you want this guy, and, and this is going to be the logic, do you want this guy commanding the military after doing what he did and being the paper cut champion, uh, I, I don't know that people want that. You know, the, the running gag in political circles is that he is the paper cut champion. And I mean no disrespect to the Secretary of State, but think about it. So, well, just, well, I, I don't think he's a viable candidate. And I just say that he may throw his hat in the ring because of this. Another one you can't rule out is Al Gore, who is a a political whore, who is going well, to try to find media any way he can. The the talk is in political service, and as you know, I live literally 13 minutes away from him. Uh, <laughs> I live right down the street from the guy. Um, the the political talk is that uh, Hillary and he are in discussions for him to possibly be her veep. Because as much as anybody doesn't like Al Gore and he has an inconvenient untruth, uh, one of the things he's got experience at and did well was vice president. So we'll see how that checks out. I know he's been losing weight. And, no, you know, that's... 
the Republican side, I totally agree. I think by Super Tuesday, there's going to be maybe three candidates left in the race. Probably Rick Santorum because he doesn't know when to leave. Um, probably Jeb Bush, Rick Santorum, and probably a fourth, someone who's been strong. And I think that's going to be your dark horse. Uh, at the end of the day, I honestly can't tell you who's going to win at this point. Because we're at the point where we have a Mormon Tabernacle Choir of Republican candidates who is going who are going to run and cut each other down until there's actually one victor. Think of it as no. Game of Thrones, the Republican edition. Right. I think there's a dark horse on the Republican side, too. There's That's a dark I mean. horse on the Republican side. That's what I mean, a dark horse on the Republican side. I'm not sure if it's someone who is already in the cam- in the in nope. the campaign now, or it's someone who's going to get in soon. It's, there's it's going our to good be a dark horse. It's the good guy from Utah, or Massachusetts, whichever way you want to look at it. Mike Lee. Oh no, sir. Governor Romney. I, you're right. I, I believe that. I believe Romney is giving up. The well, only problem I, with Romney is, will he use the same advisors as he did last time? No. And hopefully uh, he won't. Right. He's, he has reached out to some of the best, some of the ones I've worked with. And okay. and I will tell you this, he is uh, he's working behind the scenes, uh, just like he was prior to saying, hey, you know, I don't think I'm going to run. And several of his bundlers are back. And that was part of the reasons he didn't run was his bundler. So we'll see. I'm not too thrilled with anybody at the moment, just to be honest with you. Um, I do have who I would vote for in a pinch. Uh, provided the race doesn't change, I know who I would vote for on the Republican side. Um, and if it came to a head-to-head matchup with Hillary, um, I've got to go with the, that person. So. Uh, Hillary, I just don't think, is good for the country. She's demonstrated that. Now, truthfully, we can make the argument that she served at the pleasure of the president and had to tote his water. But sometimes you've got to pour the bucket out and just not carry it and let the president do it himself, good or bad. Um, having said that, hang on, let me shut this recording off. But uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Remember, you can visit, visit us at politicalstraighttalk.us. We will be adding content and, and getting things up and going. You always remember that freedom is not free. Thank a soldier. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. My name is Fabian, and this is Political Straight Talk. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in.